Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, we found little Danny Torrance having some serious daddy issues. And it turns out all grown up Danny Torrance is having the same issues as dad, as he attempts to escape the grip of alcoholism and stop Rose the Hat-eating children. From 2019, it's Doctor Sleep. When I was a kid, there was a place. A dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there... They come back. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. The Hello, Clash Potters. We're all dying. The world's just one big hospice with fresh air. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Great. Good. Forgot. Chris is wearing a lovely T-shirt. It's yeah. great. Celebrating the shining. Wrong episode, but it's great. All work and no play makes Jack and Dollboy. That's a great T-shirt. Thanks. No worries. Very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, if you'd be kind enough to do that on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods, it would be massively appreciated by the three of us. And if you're able to give us a little rating and review, that'd be great too. And if you do give us a review, it might get read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. Okay, I've gone off piste what? again this week because uh, a tweet came in. And I like the tweet, so oh. I'm going to read the tweet out. All right, fine. It's from J. Bob de Boodles. <laughs> that's why you were saying that over and over again before we started. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to get it right. Okay. Um, the tweet read, that's it. I've done it. 192 episodes and all great. Heard about you seven weeks ago. Great podcast, great host, great subject matter, brilliant. Hashtag I'm all in, hashtag Bathwank. <laughs> so, uh, well done, J. Bob de Boodles. But I'm also a bit concerned. So that's 229 uh, films. In just seven weeks, that's four point six. And if each film's an hour, mm. that's four point six hours a day, which I think 
might be worse than a stay at the Overlook Hotel in terms of driving you mad. Right. Listening to us for nearly five hours a day for yeah. seven weeks. I really hope you're doing okay, J Bob. Mm-hmm. But thank you. Freaking Bathwank. Sorry. You're happy with your legacy. <laughs> I never thought it would turn out like this, but I'll take it. <laughs> I've always wanted a hashtag. What would you like, Bathwank? <laughs> Right then, it was my choices this week. The Shining versus Doctor Sleep. Why? Because this October, as we count down to Halloween, we're celebrating the master of horror as we pit Stephen King adaptation against Stephen King adaptation. It's King versus King. So on Monday, Chris shone as he took us through The Shining. And today, Vicky is going to keep us awake as she covers Doctor Sleep. V, takes on a journey. Danny Boy is grown up, but bottoming out, dulling his shine with booze and stealing from babies. So he gets a job euthanising old folks with a magic cat and turns things around, also writing the occasional psychic hello to super shiny teenager Abra, and it's absolutely not predatory, even though she insists on calling him Uncle Dan, <laughs> which makes him sound like a complete pedo. Mind you, that's nothing compared to vampiric cult, the true knot, who keep calling kids steamy, which is messed up. <laughs> the vampires are banging to Abra, so Danny steps up to protect her by digging up a corpse and then just fucking leaving it there and <laughs> taking Abra to the absolute worst place in the world for a psychic child, the Overlook Hotel. But it's amazing to see it, because look, there's a typewriter, the goal room, and nearly Jack, so many memories. The Overlook girls eat the baddie, Danny dies and continues grooming Abra from the psychic realm. She rightly tells her mother that Uncle Danny's in her bedroom again, so we can only hope it's a police matter now. I wonder what happened to that magic cat. Very good. Yeah, lovely. So this is the first time I'd seen it because this is really petty, but I was really put off by the reviews um, mm. because we were just lukewarm. Um, no, it's not. No, good, good reviews. They were just a bit like, ugh. So I really wanted to see the Overlook again, but the reviews and the runtime, it just put me off. Um, but having said all that, I'm really glad I came to it like this, which is at home on the telly because I've never seen The Shining on the big screen either. So it felt a bit fairer and my expectations were a bit more gentle. I think if I'd gone to the cinema to see this, it would have been a bit sky high. Okay. What about you? I saw it at the cinema. Um, I saw an early screening of this because I was hosting the Q&A with uh, the director, Mike Flanagan, in London, in Islington, screen on the green, uh, which was great. The Q&A went really well, although there was a pissed bloke in the audience, which was Was it Chris? Annoying. Yes, it really was. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> oh, oh, no, sorry. Oh, look at your face. Sorry. I thought he was joking. So I watched a special preview screening of this, hosted by the bloke from RuTube. <laughs> Where weirdly, Vicky, I turned to drink because they did the Q&A before the film. Right. And Mike Flanagan, the director, spot loads of things in the film. That's why you do a Q&A afterwards. Right. I'm guessing that was the bloke from RudeTube's fault. Yeah, I had to go and film RudeTube, so I asked if we could move it forward. But I'll be honest, I can't remember it. I kind of checked out when they uh, tortured the kid yes, uh, because it was upsetting and because I'd drunk a lot of wine and cocktails. Right. And so this was more like a first watch for me. Okay. You I'm didn't honest. heckle or anything because the way no, you no, said no, it, yeah. I think I they're boring. I, no, I know enough to keep shtum when my boy's on stage. Okay. Uh, the cocktails, I mean, they were delicious. We did. We had one at the yeah. bar, do you remember, before you went great. on stage? They were lovely. Delicious. It's quite exciting. Mm, no, it was good. It was good fun. That's it. Okay, great. That's <laughs> um, it. Do you want any more? No, sorry. I actually don't. Uh, I'll tell you what, when my mind was spinning, so I was like, why did you not invite me? But that's okay. I can deal with that. He jealous. didn't invite me. Oh, you just turned up. 
And then you were like, Alex! He's a film journalist. I got given a ticket by Alex. the film studio to go and see Doctor Sleep. Yeah. She thinks there's some conspiracy here. <laughs> no, I did a little bit. You know what I'm like? I just get jealous, don't I? Anyway. All right. So do you want to hear about the background of this You'd film? have heckled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just drink it. <laughs> Something whiskey. Uh, okay. So I did find this a bit tricky because, as you two know, Doctor Sleep is an adaptation of a 2013 Stephen King book of the same name, which is a follow-up to The Shining, but obviously The Shining film differs from the book. And so Doctor Sleep, the movie, whilst also being homage to The Shining movie, attempts to connect the two versions of Jack Torrance and the two endings of the first film. So Mike Flanagan, I'll just say what he says, he calls it a descendant of The Shining, okay? Mm. Jolly good. So um, let's go right back to the beginning. So there's been interest in making a new uh, Shining property since like 2014 um, with Warner Brothers and Mark Romanek was attached to direct a prequel just called Overlook Hotel. So Warner's also owned Doctor Sleep, um, which then Akiva Goldsman adapted and then the budget is an issue. But then it is a huge hit in 2017. So there's a big rush. If you're a studio and you've got any Stephen King material, they're interested. But obviously it's going to be tricky because Stephen King hated The Shining so much. Anyway, into all of this, you get Mike Flanagan, who is a Stephen King mega fan and handily the writer and director of Gerald's Game. He goes to a meeting at Warner's ostensibly to talk about DC stuff. And then on his way out, he says, he's like, the John Berg is like, oh, didn't you do Gerald's Game? And he's like, yeah, he's like, that was all right. I thought that was basically unadaptable. We've got Doctor Sleep, which we think is a bit unadaptable. What would you do with it? And so Mike Flanagan pitches his idea of blending the Shining film and book within Doctor Sleep, the movie version, Mm. in a way that honours both, but also allows another story, a true sequel, to be told in a way that makes sense. So they go back to Stephen King. They're like, this guy's got an idea. We think you'll like it. And Mike Flanagan gets in front of Stephen King and pitched in one scene inside the Overlook and said, the rest of the story, I will try and stay as faithful as I possibly can, but the final fight will take place on the grounds that used to be the Overlook. Because obviously in the books, the Overlook burns down. So It was, yeah. There's the one particular scene in the yes. Overlook, isn't there? <clears throat> so the one particular scene that gets Stephen King going is that is Danny and Jack sitting together over a glass of whiskey and having a chat. Yeah. And Stephen King is well into that. So in Mike Flanagan's dream vision... You're pulling these three things together, Shining, Doctor Sleep and Stephen King's vision. Um, And that got Stephen King very excited. And Mike Flanagan says, if he hadn't, I wouldn't have made the film. Um, When King read the script, he said, everything I ever disliked about the Kubrick version of The Shining is redeemed for me here. So we're on. Um, He's at it again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just a little bit about casting of Danny, Hugh McGregor, not first choice. So Dan Stevens, Chris Evans, Matt Smith and Jeremy Renner, but Hugh McGregor um, gets it. And also we will go into this a lot when we get to the scene. Um, But Mike Flanagan knew you'd have characters from, let's call it Shining One in the film, but he didn't want to do CGI because they started trying to CGI Danny on his tricycle and he said it felt disrespectful. Um, like making a video game. So he cast actors that would remind you of those people. But we'll talk a lot about that later mm. in that very important scene. Um, that's it. Any more? Oh, that's pretty good, V. Okay. Oh, that's good. Thanks. All right. All right, then. So we'll start with Rose the Hat. I think Rebecca Ferguson is amazing in this, but I fucking hate that hat. <laughs> I think she looks like the Babadook, but not in a good way. I really hate the hat. And but she's wish... called the hat. Yeah, but mm. that's such a silly name for a villain. She's amazing. Lose the hat. Okay. Sorry. There we are. Um, and then Danny is reunited with Dick Halloran, which for me was brilliant because I feel so sad that he died in The Shining mm. One. Um, so I'm just really glad to see him. Something about boxes... And then you see his lovely mum 
and that that sort of ticked a box for me because as I said on the Shining episode I just wanted to know that they were okay and they're okay so thank God for this version so Alex Esso I believe it's pronounced. She does a very good job, I think, yeah. of imitating Shelley Duvall. She's the, a great actress. Yeah, she's um, yeah, really she's good. you should watch Midnight Mass. She's very good in that. Ah, um, yeah. and she, it's the bit where she thinks she's lost him, yeah, and he's runs. on the bench, and it's the Daddy, 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 and the run. She's really nailed it. Yeah, she studied Wendy, of course, and and but you don't want to copy. You have to sort of imbue. She does a, a very good job. Well, if she that. was going to copy, she'd have to do 150 bloody takes <laughs> and just be like a wreck. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, years later, grown-up Danny, he is a right old mess. And I thought this was good the way they don't... They, it's not a Hollywood version of an alcoholic. Okay, I, backtrack one minute, mm-hmm. one minute, because there's a bit here, which I, I, I'm... I, I, you might be able to explain it to me in a way that I understand, but there's a bit where Danny hasn't spoken since the events at the Overlook Hotel. Yes. That is said outright. Mm-hmm. And then he has the meeting with Dick Halloran, and Dick Halloran goes, basically, have you seen Ghostbusters? Well, you know the ghost traps? You want mind <laughs> versions of those yeah. to trap your ghosts in. Do they look like them? They do, actually. They, they do look a lot, lot like yeah. ghost traps from Ghostbusters. Yeah. Anyway, so Danny then approaches the old woman who's in the bath, and you hear her scream and you're like, bloody hell, the ghost traps work. And he returns to his mum on the sofa and she goes, are you okay, Danny? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. That is the first time he's spoken, surely. And she just puts her arm around him. Surely there is a big emotional beat where she's like, (gasps) because he's spoken for the first time. And if you think about what that cuts to, if you end that moment on this massive sort of highlight, Danny's spoken, his mum hugs him, he's back. And you think Danny's saved smash cut to Ewan McGregor fucked off his face in a bar and you're like, oh, he wasn't fine. That, to me, is a better way of like juxtaposing those two moments in his life. I, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, I, the, the only other thing I would say is with children, when they've got a thing that they're doing, when they stop doing it, you're not supposed to make a big deal about it because you're trying not to make... If, not to be, not that kids are sinister, but if they know that it's a big deal to you, they'll just start doing it again. So when they start doing something, do you remember Super Nanny, which I fucking loved, obviously? There was a child on Super Nanny that he wouldn't stop walking on his tiptoes and he wouldn't walk on his heels anymore. And his mum had tried everything and she was at her wit's end. And Super Nanny's best advice was he will eventually walk on his full foot because it's unsustainable. And the minute he does, you don't go, oh my God, you just ignore it. Why would you want to stop a kid walking on his tiptoes? <laughs> It's a superpower. That is amazing. And you'll probably be in the ballet. <laughs> Kids thumping around the corridors of your house and suddenly you've got this kid who's like, I can't hear him. <laughs> that is wonderful. Don't change that, you super nanny idiot. <laughs> hey, steady. <laughs> I'm just saying. She's a legend. No, just go, don't, don't go meddling. I've got a perfect child here. But I get what you mean. Simon's exactly the same. Yeah, you yeah. can't make a fuss, can you? Don't How was your stairs out, carpet, okay. by the way? I think about that all the time. Is he still eating the stairs? Sessex. We're on stair six. We've gone from four to six. Two pub visits in the last couple of weeks. Two more stair carpets gone. But thanks for checking in. You're all right. So yeah, like I said, it's not, I mean, it's still a Hollywood film, but it is pretty brutal, like the vomit and he looks terrible, Danny Dan does. Um, And he does steal from a woman that he's just met, even though she's got a kid. We need to talk about this moment. So first of all, the vomit's green. Now I've thrown up a lot in my life. Oh, (laughs) We all have, surely. And like, whether it's been I don't throw up that often, actually. I never throw up from alcohol. No, I don't usually throw up from alcohol. It's weird, alcohol. isn't it? What's oh. making you throw up all the time then? <laughs> well, like, the food poisoning. How often are you getting food poisoning? Well, I mean, I don't mean just recently. I mean, over the course of my life, like, you know, I had it coming out of every orifice when I was in Thailand. Anyway, <laughs> seriously, I, I had a waterproof bag that was meant to keep all your like valuables in. I had to 
shitting that while I was vomiting <laughs> on the floor of the room because I couldn't make it to the oh, toilet. You held it round well, the back. I didn't want it. It was either that or go, it go on the floor of a hotel room. I say oh, hotel room, a hostel. Your poor valuables. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine a passport control. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you just you, scrape that off, you can see my face. You can get anywhere in the world because no one wants to touch it, let alone open it or stamp it. They're just like, go on through. Off you go. Bring off back brown go. passports. <laughs> <laughs> but her vomit is green. Yeah, I thought I've, she was dead, actually. But I don't know if she is at that point. So he basically, he takes the money. Halloran goes, dude, what the yeah, fuck are you doing? On. And he's like, he's like, no, she probably took mine to buy the Coke. So yeah. I'm taking this money back. And he just puts the kid with her. He doesn't check her to see even if she's breathing or alive mm. or anything at that point. They both die. Yes, they do. Because they come back as ghosts. Yeah. And Halloran talks about the debt he has to pay, which I were—I've assumed was their deaths mm. yeah. early on. To me, that's a no way back situation for a hero because he doesn't do it accidentally. He doesn't do it because something else has come about that he he fails to do it because he's been distracted. Whatever he does it purely out of selfishness and laziness, and they die. The yeah. kid dies, and he's a smart guy. Yeah, and he sees that, and he doesn't do anything about it. Now, even in the grip of like his alcoholism, you do sort of go, how are you ever meant to get past that mm. for this character as the audience? Well, because th- at the beginning, you don't know that they're going to die. Um, you learn only... quite soon. It's only about 20 minutes later they appear as ghosts. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, this this is so stupid, what I'm about to say, but it is what I thought. When the baby toddles out of the other room and Dan's like, oh, fuck, there's a baby here. Mm. That baby's probably about 18 months, two years old, and it's opened a bag of crisps by itself and they can't do that. So I thought they'll when be... When you say they can't do that physically or you won't allow it? No, they, <laughs> <laughs> they physically can't do right. it. So I thought these two are going to be just fine because that is a very resourceful toddler. Mm. I didn't think that. If it can open a bag of crisps, it can probably put the kettle on, <laughs> call an ambulance, do all sorts. That's honestly what I thought. Okay. I mean, it might have found the bag of crisps that they were eating last night, although they were doing a lot of cocaine, so I don't imagine they're they were not having like, crisps. Let's have some knickknacks as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love <lovely now. laughs> Anyway, I feel like we've made you, know, you make a very valid point and I do agree right. with you. I do. Um, so then we're back to Rose and our boyfriend, Crow Daddy. These fucking names. Um, <laughs> what, is, like... what is Chunk the Lump? Barry the Chunk. Oh, yeah. Barry the Chunk is another one. And then... We're... I mean, they've been around for literally centuries. Work on your names. Yeah. Like, you have had time to think up better nicknames and they don't even bother. No, like it's when they they're meet... going out of their way to be annoying. Yeah. They're just all annoying people. Mm. The crow, crow daddy is like someone, an older person going, that's cool. But imagine having to say it all the time. Like, the daddy bit is upsetting. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't like the names. And I don't like the name Snake by Andy either, as it goes. So they're watching her to try to establish what these people can do, this cult. Um, she can push people. She's... No, she just does the Jedi mind trick. She does a Jedi mind trick, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and like that character from the Umbrella Academy who can whisper things as well. Uh, whisper. <laughs> that's her name. <laughs> that's less annoying. Um, that's the Jedi mind trick as well. Do you not think that Snake by Andy gets much more of an introduction than is required for yeah, that character? It's a lot of weight on her. I mean, it's just like you. she needs to be a bigger part of things throughout if you're going to devote this much time to her uh, catching paedophiles yeah. and scarring them. I mean, she's hypersexualized for a 15-year-old girl, mm. um, but then it is quite layered. I, I mean, if she's going to have this much attention on her, it's interesting to talk about the layers she's got as a character because she's on this crusade to catch pedos, 
But then after she gets her like blowback of child smoke from the cult, mm. she becomes a child murderer, which I liked because normally if you're a victim of something, you have to be good. And you think that we'll get to it. But um, when the raid scene later, you think she might turn because she's actually a victim herself and victims are often portrayed as pure, you know, you're, you've a terrible thing has happened to you, but you have to be a good person. But she's not a good person. She's a child murderer. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, uh, she hates men. Uh, yeah. Because her her fucking men is, I think, one of the last things <clears throat> she says, mm. and I just I, I find her character quite confusing. Yeah, well, that is it that because she's a, she's a baddie and a victim. Yes, yeah, I think that is it. That's yes. Yeah, so is it confusing or is it more realistic? You know, people that have bad things happen to them do tend to go on to do bad things. I think more in terms of the structure of the film, I found it quite sort of like she's like she gets this huge setup, whereas the other members of the True Knot, uh, you know, like who are you? Yeah, when well, they're dying in the shootout, you're like, are you, yeah. are you in it? Before <laughs> yeah. before then, we're supposed to the, uh, Grandpa Flick's death is supposed to carry great weight. But yeah, who who the hell's he apart from you know Lurch from the Adams family? Yeah, mm. Rose's speech is good, but you don't really care about him, obviously. No. So meanwhile, uh, Dan is starting over in Frasier, oh, or wherever that is. Um, Cliff Curtis is so good. <clears throat> yeah, he's really good. Isn't he good? He's very good. I, you know, he's one of those actors that every time you see him, you go, so good. But you know my thing about giving characters names that link, you know, and he's, he's called Billy Freeman. So it's like he's free from him. Like, that's that's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> do you really think that yeah. that was the thought process? They yeah, were, He's free from alcohol, yeah. so he's a free he's a man. Free man. I'm going yeah. to sit my neck out here and say that I don't think the names are the best thing in Dr. Sleep. <laughs> Even the name Doctor Sleep, to be honest, <laughs> it's yeah. It's you say that, and yeah. I totally agree. I never read. Up, the, I never read the book, so I was like, Oof. yeah. You, you think of a book, and you're like, I read it at night just before I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, anyway. So he's at these a. So I like the scene because I love Bruce Greenwood. But so he's at an AA meeting, and you'd think that for someone who's been blackout drunk for years to dull his shine. He basically does a parlor trick on Bruce Greenwood, who he's known for two seconds, like, oh, I know where you watch is. <laughs> and if anyone mm. said to you what he says to you, like, he can't grasp the name of the ailment that was bugging Bruce Greenwood, uh, Bruce Greenwood in his mind, you'd be like, fucking hell, you're fucking magic. <laughs> like, There's no way you could have known any of that. So he sort of exposes who he is yes, straight he, away. Why is he? Yeah, agreed. I wrote down, why is he not keeping a low profile? What What's wrong with this doctor? Yeah. So then he gets a job in the nursing home. Well, let's rewind to Bruce Greenwood's office. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, that's so good. And I read it. some stuff with Mike Flanagan, which I think, well, actually, let's talk about it. Is it problematic or is it just cool? Because they recreate Ullman's office just because they could. Mm. There's nothing else in it. No. I mean, I've written down quite a few times the phrase fan service, and it does feel like fan service because yeah. what else is this saying to us? Exactly. It's not Ullman's office. No. His office shouldn't look like Ullman's office. So it's just so we can go, ooh. Yeah. But it's still satisfying. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I mean, especially towards the end of the Overlook, it is just like goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Fernigan, I think he did say, I think maybe with the Ullman's office recreation for Bruce Greenman's office, he goes, Shouldn't I have, have gone over the top with that <laughs> one. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's, it's the whole Member Berry's South Park thing, isn't it? Mm. We like it because yeah. we, we remember it, but that doesn't mean anything. Yes. I will say about Snake Bite Andy, when she is turned by the true knot, she wakes up on a sun lounger mm. and she's been left in the sun. Yes. And she's very fair. Yeah. And I just had this image. I was like, have they put sun cream on her? Or does becoming a member of the true knot make you impervious to sunlight? And I spent a long time thinking about that. I guess it does. You can't imagine them just applying slathering it all over yeah. her while she's because I'll just put out. her in the shade. Mm. What's the point? She doesn't need. Well, maybe you need the sun to come round. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, so Dan is helping people cross. Uh, people that are at the end of their life. I wasn't really sure how he's helping them cross other than to get into their brain and say, genuinely, this will be okay. Yeah. And like showing them a vision of what it would be like. That's enough. That's pretty much pretty much it. I actually, I won't lie, I got a little bit tearful. I think Flanagan does moments like this really, really well. And he works with actors really, really well. Yeah. And the actor who's in the bed, uh, the first guy who... Danny sits down with. I was go. I found it quite emotional when he was sort of scared, and then he puts him at ease. Yeah. And do you see the new the number on the room door? Uh, two one seven. Correct. <laughs> yes. Oh, I recognise that. Yep. <laughs> member, That's very satisfying. Member, member two one seven in the shining book. Member. <laughs> well, you're right about you know the actors. Obviously, you McGregor is a fine, fine actor, mm. but the AA scene coming up after this. Where he talks, where he's got, is it eight years clean or sort of five yeah. years clean? I struggled with this scene. Really? I struggled with this scene because he talks about his dad really fondly. He's talking yeah. about Jack and he's like, this is what my dad always wanted, you know, to reach this point. And you're like, that is not the Jack I know. Yeah. That is the Jack from the novel. Yes. And not the Jack from the movie. And I just, I think this is where sometimes this film, it, you know, and it's a, a mammoth task Mike Flanagan has but sometimes you sort of like going sorry which Jack am I thinking about here because if you think about the book Jack you're like that makes sense because the book Jack is a well-rounded person who you do feel sorry for if you think about Jack Nicholson you're like why are you talking about Jack Nicholson like this because yeah, he yeah. was a monster who mm. chased you with a fucking axe and he was so little that that's all you'd really remember you haven't been shown any kindness by this man mm. in your five years I think the bit that's brilliant which kind of Obfuscated the rest is that he's saying I drank to sort of un to connect with my dad in that darkness. Yeah. It's like that was very moving. Mm. Um, let's talk about steamy kids, but after a break. <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So I can't, I just can't, like... It's the line that she uses where she actually says, uh, children, uh, children, (laughs) she goes... I don't know whether it's cell phones. Oh, my God. I don't know whether it's diet. don't know whether it's Netflix. Netflix. But kids just aren't as steamy anymore. And also, the Netflix thing. That's such an uncool (laughs) mom from an old man. Kids are watching Netflix and now their brains are underdeveloped. And it's a fucking film. Like, Mm. you can't have a go at Netflix for... You're saying kids are stupid, kids are disconnected, kids are whatever. And that's... There's another version where kids are hyper something because of the world we live in. Like, they're super connected. They have whatever. Just don't be that old man that's like, everyone's watching too much. It's quite a weird reference as well because Netflix are essentially paying Mike Flanagan's bills yeah <laughs> I know it's a bit of a, a risky maneuver you should have said yeah. Amazon Prime it's <laughs> yeah. such a weird decision yeah Disney Plus like that that feeds yeah. you or just streaming or whatever I don't know well some, something better yeah, I'm taking notes from you. I'm not taking notes from you. Is that what you just said? No. <laughs> let's, let's, now let's work this through. Is it cell phones or diet or streaming? <laughs> that works. That works. That it works. Does. It works. Good no. note, Chris. Chris, yeah. good notes. Well, well done. Um, so uh, you've mentioned this, Chris, but this next scene, I have a massive, massive problem with torturing baseball boy to death. Why? Yeah, well, so I clocked, I, I, I switched off, I clocked out the first time, maybe due to the booze, but also because I was just like, why is this? Why am I watching this? I felt the same again this time, really. It's not, it's okay. just, a, it's a bit it's... of a taboo breaker, isn't it? Torturing and killing a kid on screen. Yep. And it went on for longer than I'm sort of comfortable with. The thing is, he, it's exploitative because we know that they're baddies, right? So fear cleanses the steam. This is new information. So we need to see that the kid is scared. That's all we need to see. When we're now seeing an, a child actually being tortured to death, it's just to show it on screen. We don't need, you can cut away respectfully. You can still scare the shit out of people. You can make them imagine what he's going through, which is still really hard, but it's just, it, we already know they're bad. We don't need to see how bad they are. Why not? Because um, it's, a, it's a movie for grown-ups, not a movie for children. Because it's also, an interesting decision to actually do something because, different. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, this, I think in a, uh, most movies they cut away. I was like, you know, the the visceral experience of actually him, Mike Flanagan, going, no, I'm going to show this. It's like, what? And I think the, I think you're actually, the fact that it had bo- the, that effect on both of you actually is a reason that it should stay in because you oh, know, sure. how I often just... do you see a film where you're actually like, I don't know if I can watch this. But mm-hmm. I, I, And I, I probably wouldn't have watched it in the first place, to be honest, if I'd known that. So yeah, it, it, that's why we get trigger warnings these days. I think it's like, overall, this is just not something I need to see. Baseball Boy's character is treated badly by the baddies, that's fine, but he's also treated badly by the goodies, so that's why it's exploitative. <laughs> That's weird that they just leave his body there. Um, because I he's a plot device. Uh, and what you've done with yeah. the plot device, you've shown a kid being tortured to death and you, you talk about respect. Abra's like, we will get his body back to his parents. You don't mm. do any of that. That's the weird thing because they actually set that up. Yeah. And so all you need is for them, because that whole scene is quite strange because like they're vomiting on the ground, which is DNA and stuff. So yeah. you, are, you are thinking, you are leaving a lot of evidence behind that you two uh, were here and so I think the reason they don't show the police showing up is because you'd be like, the police are probably going to want to speak to you yeah. uh, about this. Hey, what and- was your actual plan? Mm. It also doesn't help that 
Jason Tremblay is playing uh, the kid in question. He's just adorable. The cutest. Mm. Don't boy. hurt him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not saying I don't think it should be made or put in a film. I just it's not to my taste, and and I, I didn't like it here. And I, I'm it I, works, again, I turn I off. I can swallow it if the goodies treat him well. They show his face, his poor little dead face, and then you and McGregor, they're like, shall we just fuck off out of here? Like mm. He needs that resolution because mm. then it makes the baddies bad and the goodies good, and that's Look, okay. I, I, I tell you what you're saying. If it was a dog, I'd be with you, but it's not. So I feel differently about it. I was okay with it. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's, <laughs> I think we should move on what? from this. You know, horses for courses, man. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So let's we Abra, Abra, fucking Abracadabra. So she's a kid with lots of shine. Um, we get, she alerts Dan with, because she, when she can see which, or feel or see, which is horrendous. Uh, Jacob Tremblay's character being tortured to death. The murder, the red room, like smashes through the blackboard on which they've been writing these cute little notes, which Great. is a really fun moment. Yeah. Um, Although his landlady has said earlier on, "Don't fuck this up." Yeah, she's, it's just like, just don't make any noise, don't wreck the place. And like twice, like he firstly, like the red room appears and the wall just like cracks. Yeah, which is structural damage. Yeah, I mean that is going to be a big repair bill. And then secondly, he throws a bottle of whiskey across the floor. Why does she never come back up and go? I had one rule. <laughs> yeah. One fucking rule, dude. You're out. <laughs> I guess yeah. it's eight years later and they've become friends, maybe. Yeah. Fair enough. She loved, so, they all love Dr. Sleep at this point. Um, so Abra tracks Dan down and very sweetly insists on calling him Uncle Dan, which is a huge, huge error. Immediately after, he's gone, this looks weird. Yeah. Uh, you know, an older guy sitting with you on this park bench. He's like, don't be silly, Uncle Dan. It's loud. Really I said that loud. <laughs> I wondered as well. <laughs> It was just me being like hyper sort of like I am. But Ewan McGregor's character's voice in this day and age, an old man can't sit on a bench with a teenage girl. And it's like, oh, come on. Like, don't do not do that. Don't use the this day and age. And like, you can't do anything these days. It's PC gone mad. Is that mad. the actual line? No, he says, in this, he says something like, in this day and age, it look, doesn't look good for me to be sitting on a bench with a teenage girl. And she's like, oh, it's fine, Uncle Dan. What, so you're saying you're saying they're a bit too... I think someone's gone, God, you can't do anything these days. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, PC it's a little mad. bit anti-PC. Yeah, a little bit. Interesting. I didn't read that at it's all. It's just an alarm went off, but I could have just been Isn't it a-, a nod to the book, though, isn't it? Because isn't Danny Abra's <laughs> uncle in the book? I don't know. I haven't read it. Yeah, so unfortunately, they make this connection, which I think Flanagan's smart to keep out of the film, but Danny and Abra's mother, Lucy, are half-siblings, and they've got the same father, Jack Torrance. So they're related, and that's why The Shining is so strong in the pair of them. Oh, I see. And, and And it's very much, to me, it feels very much like the whole in the last Star Wars thing with Palpatine. Yeah, this connect interconnecting everyone where you don't feel like it's necessary. These legacy sequels that feel like they have to tie everything together, and so that's in the book. Flanagan's left it out here, and so I think it's a nod to that because he is her uncle Dan in the book. I see. I think uh, Abra is such a smart kid that they just missed a trick for a bit of comedy where she does it once and he's like, "Yeah, do you know what? That is actually awful," and then just calls him Dan because they (laughs) are on a par with each other. so then Rolls is trying to track Abra down. And well, like, Danny won't initially help Abra, will he? I quite like that. He's it's like, interesting, isn't he? Where he's, he's like, like, keep your head down, don't. Yeah, don't yeah. use your shine. See you later, kid. But then and then supposed- Halloran basically turns and goes, stop being a dick. <laughs> yeah. Stop being a dick. This movie is two and a half hours long already. Yeah. Let's move things on and go help her. But also, it is that debt that he has to pay, which is, you know... The dead people at the start. Yeah, but then he gets is the tone. I like the tone, but it's they, they just there was so much room for comedy because he's like, do anything to not let them find you. And he's like, but not anything <laughs> because don't drink your head off for the rest of your life. Mm. But that's quite funny. Um, I suppose is it meant to be funny? I don't know. I did laugh, but 
maybe it's just meant to be dark and sad. No, I think it is meant to be funny. Okay, fine. So um, what I really liked, so Rose is trying to track Abra down. This is awesome because Rose is like, what Rose's power has been threatened because when she's talking to Crow Daddy, he's like, look. Um, <laughs> you can't even I say can't it. I can't say it. it makes me feel sick. <laughs> when she's talking to Crow Daddy. Crow Daddy. He says, are we going to eat her? Are we going to recruit her? She's like, no, we're going to eat her. And I thought that's Rose sensing someone with such power that her own leadership was under yeah. could be under threat. So she's like, well, definitely eat her. You see, this is, the, this is a real problem throughout this movie that from the very off, Rose never feels like she's more powerful or she has the power to deal with Abra. Throughout the whole movie. Yeah. It should every, come later. They say she's spooked here. We can see that she's frightened and that should come later in the but film, I think. But every turn, okay. Abra traps her, Abra knocks yeah. her across a supermarket. Yeah. Abra wins every time her and Rose have any interaction. Yeah. And then even at the end where she drinks her two special, special steam flasks, her two <laughs> thermoses of special steam, you are still like... Oh, it's that made her powerful enough to deal with Abra because that's yeah. not clear. Like we, you needed to set up like we're never going to crack into those because they give there's too much power yes. in those steams. Just so you know, she's gone a bit mad to beat Abra. She's going to have the special steam or something because you're just like she's on the back foot for the entire movie, which yeah. is weird for the villain. It is the flip side being the the sort of joy of not having the Abra training montage. Like she's instantly brilliant and she's better than everyone else. So the scene where Rose gets her hand trapped in the mm. mind palace. Yeah, it was very Dreamcatcher. Have you seen Dreamcatcher? No. Yeah, they, he uses the same <laughs> thing in that where Damien Lewis is trapped in his own mind, yeah. looking for files and stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, the trap in the hand bit is gross, uh, it's good. but fun. And, and is that Flanagan playing homage to himself there? Because obviously the degloving happens in Gerald's game. Oh, do they call it a degloving? What? And then, oh, and, then, yes. and then she gets degloved here. She does. So I feel like that's a little nod to himself. I did read a thing where he's like, I'll do anything to mutilate a hand. Well, that's weird. Like, what have you got against hands? Oh, Flanagan said yeah. that. Oh, well, that'll be it then, because the one in Gerald's game is... Yeah, it's very, very, very bad. Um... So, yeah, like, like you said before, Chris, Grandpa Flick is cycling and he's going to reach the end of his life and it takes quite a long time. Now, it's obvious here that his crossing is very painful. So is he going to hell or does he relive all the pain he inflicted on people? No Who idea. Knows? Yeah, no. no one knows. I don't know, but I, I I assume that it's pretty bad. Like I don't think, I think whatever immortality, it's not immortality, but this, yes. this extended life they've got, I think after the, that you die... It's not. It, it's a fairly bad thing that happens to you. Like yeah. if there is an afterlife or whatever, you don't get to go to it. Yeah. But I wish that because there's so much information in Rebecca Ferguson's speech there, where she's like, you know, you've seen empires rise and fall. People built statues of you. you I think she says he was there at the fall of Rome. She does say that. So he's been alive for like centuries and centuries and centuries, and I, I don't know. I'd quite like to have seen that. I'd have liked a, liked a bit of a flashback to seeing Grandpa Flick in his prime. Yeah. And I just sort of don't quite understand like how you had that life and you've seen empires rise and fall and you've been alive that long. And then Ewan McGregor says later, they're rich, they're connected. I don't understand why they're living in RVs. I agree with you. Like yeah. having campfires. Their life in, looks like, rubbish. I mean, it looks like, I love camping and Rose's van is awesome. Yeah. But they had everything, they're meant to be on top of the world mm. and they're living this vagrant lifestyle with not very much. Right. How You know, surely you've amassed enough money by this point yeah. to like have a penthouse apartment and then you've got a team of people who go out 
and catch the kids for you and bring them to you yeah. for you to suck the steam out in the safety of your own that, home. That's, that's what I'm saying about old Flicky. Is like I could say the same about the the true knot, and I'm contradicting myself but i feel like we spend too much time with them and yet not enough time with them mm. agreed uh, and i'm sure we learn a lot of this stuff in the novel because that's what a novel does but here i just don't really get a sense of who or what the true not are well so the, jumping ahead a little bit but it's it's um it correlates with what you're saying when the when abra and dan lead the true not into the massacre the the raiding party i was surprised that bullets killed them it's like oh is it that easy mm. like why do, why do you get killed like normal yeah. people yeah you've got this long life and yeah. you can live forever but but don't actually die yeah. because then you die yeah so grandpa <laughs> flick has lived for thousands of years and he's never got injured in mm. that whole time yeah, it yeah. seems unthinkable yeah how close were you when that empire rose and <laughs> fell because yeah. surely there was a war involved yeah, it's quite a murderous time yeah. and i mean poor Crow Daddy uh, <laughs> he goes through the windscreen of his car and just dies. But it's all like the whole thing in that scene is like, oh, I bet if you thought you were going to live forever, you wouldn't put your seatbelt on. It's like, but you, you still, still I, I, I still know that I'm, I'm fallible in terms of my body is still the same. I just sort of live a bit longer. This is my biggest issue with the film is that it doesn't properly set out the rules of the universe, and so the powers and the rules are constantly shifting. We're constantly learning new things, and I find that very frustrating. You've either got to explain the rules of this universe and the powers early on so we know where we stand for the duration, or you do a Kubrick who doesn't care about them, and so just let it be a mystery. But to learn something new about what each person can do every sort of 10 minutes is pretty unsatisfying. Yeah, I agree. I like the bit in the raid where Snake by Andy makes Billy Freeman kill himself because it's like the final act of cruelty and that's putting that button on the idea that she wasn't just going to turn good and and throw off everything she's done and be sorry. She does one last bad thing before she goes. Established at the start and it pays off at the end. It's just, uh, it feels like people's powers are chosen to suit whatever's needed in that particular scene. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do like that. I mean, uh, I wish Billy didn't die because I quite like him, but then that makes it more impactful when, you know, mm, as she's a good He's about to get cycling. arrested for child murder anyway <laughs> because his DNA's all over a crime scene. Yeah, but then... Uh, I mean, that is a crime. If you dig up a body, even if you didn't kill the kid, but you leave the kid, that's a crime. Mm. So they're all going to prison. I think it's just an oversight of, of the, on the, in the film, on the film, of the film's part because... because to leave the body there. To not have any resolution. Yeah, so isn't that, there, isn't they... there a, four, a forty-five minutes extra in the director's cut? Maybe, maybe it's there. So that's okay. that's the trouble because then you've robbed the character of their humanity, which means the the stuff earlier is pure exploitation. They're just a plot device, and it's very it's a big swing to have a kid tortured to death in, in front of your eyes as a plot device. I mean, for fuck's sake! <sighs> I thought it was a good moment. I wrote down, "This is bold. I it like it." Made me very, very, very sad. Um. So when the when crow. <coughs> Crow Daddy. I've just started calling him Crow because I love the crow, so that's why. <laughs> when Crow Daddy dies, um, Rebecca Ferguson has a great line. It's amazing when you put two words together that you don't normally hear together and you're like, why have I not heard that before? When she goes, all right, bitch child. <laughs> I was like, bitch child. Yeah, I don't think I've ever said that. I've never heard that. That's yeah. great, bitch child. In some ways, is it better if she calls her just bitch because then they're equal? Nah, bitch child's funny. Bitch child, yeah. yeah. So, like as you said, um, we're getting to the point where uh, Crow Daddy is going to die. But first, he grabs Abra. So, I liked the... I thought the direction... 
you've got people sliding in and out of scenes. So in the car now where Abra is like drugged by Crow Daddy and Dan slides in and out of the scene. I thought that worked really well, like without it seeming yeah. silly. And but Like Chris said, again, though, you're a bit like, so he can possess her body now? I don't know. I don't remember that The Shining, you could just sort of jump into someone else's body. Yeah, it's a lot. It's It's just... Whatever is needed in the scene will do without yeah. it's you know box it's, box ghosts possession uh, yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's a you lot. You just of... set that up earlier. You go and like he struggled to do it earlier, and he gives it a go there, and it finally works at the moment where he needs to do it most. Sure, that makes sense. I, I'm also a little bit freaked out about how chilled Abra is about her dead dad. Yeah, and not and it is a it's a fun moment where her mum rings her in pieces because her husband is dead. Where are you? Where are you? And she just says. Love you. <laughs> then, like, throws the phone out the window. Yeah, that's it's, quite good. It's yeah. a good moment that she's like, "I'm going to do this, and I'll come back to you." Yeah, but the way yeah. she says, "I love you," you would think your child had been kidnapped, hundred <laughs> percent, because she doesn't sound very well and happy. Mm. I'm surprised we haven't seen her in more stuff. I mean, she's still only fifteen. Uh, Kylie Current, she's really good. She's very good. Really yeah. good. Really, really good. Um, so yeah, like, what was I going to say? Oh no, actually, just one thing. What you're talking about, what you can do when you shine. I do think there's even too much information about that in the kitchen scene with Dick Halloran and young Danny Torrance, because we all know what a psychic is, but then Dick Halloran's like, you can see things that have happened, things that haven't happened, you can do this and this, and even in a film as masterful as The Shining, I was like, that's a lot for me to take in. Like, just do one thing and do it really well. They're like pictures but, in a book. Yeah. But... But they can touch me <laughs> and kill me, so they're not. Yeah, which he yeah. says in this, he's like, I thought is, you said there were pictures in a book. Which is why I have certain pictures on my bedroom wall. <laughs> Because they can touch me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun if they stepped out of the painting? Like Ghostbusters 2. We always bring it back. Uh, so where are we now? Okay, so Crow, Crow Daddy's dead. Rose is all alone, which is how it should be, uh, because we didn't spend any time with those other characters. So we're just trying to get her by herself. And oh, no, at this point in the film, you know where you're going and you're just so desperate to get there. So it's like, can we please go to the Overlook Hotel <laughs> now? Because even though I moaned about the kid, the, the baseball boy and whatever, when they go to dig him up, you're like, really? Can we not just go to the hotel? Like, why do you need this glove to connect with the true knot? Like, let's just go there. That's what everybody wants. Let's spend loads of time there. So it's a bit frustrating that it takes as long as it does. But obviously... It's awesome when we get there. A little like mm, the script- shot over the yeah the lake, uh, the recreation of that. Mm. I, I, I don't think it exists anymore. That 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 island, or certainly not. It doesn't look the same because they had to obviously computer generate the whole thing. But it's yeah. so cool. Yeah, the music is. kicks in. Mm. Oh. Did you think it was enough? Because I didn't. Abra and Dan are in the car going to the Overlook Hotel, and she's like, "Why are we doing this?" And he says, "Like the ghosts that are in there." They're dangerous for people like us. So I imagine it's the same for Rose. And it's like, I imagine. Like, that's not very strong, is it? Like, I know it's the same would be better. Like, And the fact that he he leaves her outside, it's <laughs> like, I don't need just I, You're doing this to prolong the plot because you've got certain machination you want to happen. Yeah. But with Rose on the way, you're not going to leave that girl out there. You're going to take her in with you and they face this all together. It just felt contrived to me to make an excuse that... I've got to face this alone. And then have the line, you'll see her coming from a long way away, mm, yeah. so you are safe. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. But bear in mind, everyone's capable of psychic travel, so why she's physically yeah. got to be in any space. <laughs> and she's already proved herself to be more powerful than Dan. Yeah. So he should, you know, he should be in front. Yeah. Should, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hide behind Just her. Just in case someone pops out from a pillar. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> you go first. So we're in the overlook, but obviously what I really want to talk about is the scene in the gold room. 
Yeah, just before then, we see him obviously go through the look at the here's Johnny hole. Yeah. I think it's weird that they cut to new Shelley Duvall yeah, me recreating too. that old scene. It's like, do, do you do think, you we've, think we've got this far into this movie <laughs> yeah. and we're now going, why is he looking through a hole in the door? Yeah. But it's because they're about to go to new Jack Torrance. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess we've already seen her, though. We've already seen you, Shelley Duvall. But yeah. That's what I mean, though. I think it'd be weird to cut between the two of them if, if, we're, if we're getting new Jack Torrance a moment later. So, okay. yeah. Um, let's talk about new Jack Torrance. So, having already established that we're not going to do CGI, um, Mike Flanagan has got the job of casting Jack Nicholson, but not casting Jack Nicholson. So, what do you do? Get your so, mate. You get your mate to do it. So, they did talk about... I don't know how you, Alex, would feel about this, because you're a bigger fan of him than I think we are, but Christian Slater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just... You can't... Do that. They just about Christine Slater, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Someone mentioned as well. Um, and yeah. yeah, they. I think they spoke to Jack Nicholson. Um, I don't know about whether he wanted a cameo in the film. I can't imagine it was going to be this scene. Mm. But they did speak to Jack Nicholson mm. about it, and he was like, he wished them all the best. But uh, I think no, Mike thanks. Flanagan's words were, he's taking his retirement seriously. <laughs> he's been retired a long time, and mm. I'm not sure if he's capable of doing this stuff now. Mm. So we've got Sadly. Henry Thomas instead. Really, I've I sort of looked up. He's age 84 now. It's not bad, is it? It's all right. Yeah. He can still do the stuff at 84. I don't think he does anything publicly anymore. No. Okay. So what did you think about it? So because it's Henry Thomas, so Mike Flanagan obviously has worked with Henry Thomas um, before and um, there was Gerald's Game, which Henry Thomas is very much in. Um, but He's good in The Haunting of Hill House. He's good in oh, Midnight Mass. I'm going to keep banging on about Midnight yeah. Mass. It's fantastic. So apparently Henry Thomas had to think about it because it's a big deal and then said to Mike... You're leading with your chin here to get hit for stepping into Kubrick's shadow. Let me go with you and I'll slip into Jack's shadow and we'll go down together, which is quite nice uh, to do that for your friend. But I, I mean, I, I really like it. And I know a lot of people don't. And I think it's really good. I don't, I'm afraid. Yeah. I, I don't because, you know, Jack Nicholson is so much The Shining as a film for me. And he just does, it doesn't look anything like him. Do you not think if you squint and because he's a side angle? No. Like, really? He's got an entirely different shaped face. I mean, Jack Nicholson arguably is one of the most distinctive faces like in Hollywood history. And it just, it just doesn't work for me. I don't enjoy it. I really like I, it. I, I enjoyed the 20 yeah. seconds where it was a voice off screen and you knew it was his father. Mm. And I wondered whether they could have continued it like that mm. or shot it from the back. Um, so it yeah. looked like Jack from the back. I, I just, seeing him side on, you're like, I, you, you spend the first couple of minutes going, is that meant to be his dad? <laughs> yeah. Because it's yeah. so unlike him. I, I went through those two emotions. Was The first one was, is that Jack? Mm. Is that Jack Torrance? That was probably about 30 seconds to a minute. And then it was, is that Elliot? Yeah. <laughs> is that Elliot? Because I, I didn't know. I didn't know he was in the film. Um, and so once I'd figured it all out, I was fine with it. Actually, mm. once I okay, I've got to spend my disbelief now. Yeah, this is Jack Torrance from the film. This is quite a good actor playing him, and this is quite an interesting scene. I was also super relieved they didn't CGI anything. Oh my god, yeah. You know, that's the thing. What can you do? I mean, your options are fairly limited. Shoot I think him from it... the back. Shoot him from the back. He's got such an iconic haircut and. You know, all you need is for him to, you and McGregor to say dad and you just do it like that. And, you know, I just, I, I it really spoiled it for me. I thought that... More so than the Wendy or the young Danny, uh, this was the one. Or Halloran, I think the guy who plays Halloran is great. Good, yeah. I just think that because Jack 
his dad, is refusing to crack. So his son is like really piling the pressure on like when mom died and he's really going for it. And all his dad is saying is like, take your medicine. So that was a frustration. That's a good frustration because the character isn't doing what you want them to do, hmm. which is apologise. Um, and that's good because it sort of fogs everything else for me because you you really want him to like break down and, and say sorry, but he hmm. doesn't, refuses to, and he's pushing drink. So that took away any sort of lingering irritation with the fact that it was Henry Thomas for me because mm. I was like distracted by the emotional stuff going on. Mm. He so, said yeah. he looked at the Delbert Grady scene for inspiration for this scene. The idea that he sort of, he won't admit who he is and he's yeah. now just a face of the mm. malevolent power that is mm, the yeah, Overlook Yeah, he's Hotel. trapped where he needs to, where he wants to be. But this, go, this goes against, you know, we were talking about at the end of the last show where it's like, Jack's exactly where he wants to be. He's having a great time in the roaring 20s. Mm. And actually he's not. He's the barman. In the same way Delbert Grady was the care, was a waiter, he's the barman, so he's not having fun. Yeah. He's serving other people. But is it, that's, doesn't the hotel get you by sort of making you choose? What will you do to get what you want? So you'll do something terrible to get what you want. So you'll, you, you, know, you would go to kill your child. It gives you what you want and then it makes you work for it, like after. So maybe in the Shining version, Jack Torrance spent like however an amount of time having a brilliant party mm. and then the hotel is like the guests start to disappear and it's like someone needs to pour the drinks and then before you know it... You're a bartender, mm -hmm. maybe? Mm -hmm. um, who knows? So anyway, um, a showdown with Abra and Dan and Rose. And then we get to go to the maze for quite a long time. And it's good that Abra is besting the villain by like nicking her the back of her leg. Mm. But it's like, why did she not fucking move? Like she, she just doesn't move at all. Like she gets caught out like so many times. You think she would try and physically move? Um, other, other than watching kids being tortured to death. Uh, which I don't like. Alex obviously does. Um, <laughs> having the back of your leg. Having the back of your try leg. Try that for a legacy. You mm. keep pushing this thing that I don't like animals. Mm. Try having this on your back. <laughs> this is my best scene. It's coming up. Um, but that having their legs slashed is my worst thing. Is my yeah. worst fear. And so um, I found that really What's hard to watch. What's the horror movie with the Achilles heel? There's a the few. Hostel. Uh, Hostel yeah. does it. Hostel does it. Mm. I've been, I went on the set of Hostel and the, I didn't know I had this fear at the time, but the guy took me, uh, the guy, uh, Harvey Berger, who does the, the, the effects, he showed me the, the, the bottom of the leg that he'd built that, that would split open. And I think that was probably what messed me up for life with mm -hmm. these scenes is see, and I've never seen that scene in that film. And here I had to close my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't find it that bad, but. Um... The nail that goes through. Emily Blunt's foot in a quiet place oh, yeah. when she's walking down the stairs. That's good. Yeah, when she's build up she's to pregnant. it. She, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Have you seen that? That's got the the old boy series movie. Oh yeah. That's got the slash of the Achilles. I have seen that. Bastards. Um. So yeah. Anyway, so the Overlook ghosts are like summoned out of their ghost traps. By mm. Rose, though. Danny, it's weird because it's not a proactive thing by Danny. He doesn't unleash them on her. No. She opens the boxes herself and is then like, oh, oh shit. shit. Yeah. It sort of done? makes sense because she's got this like addiction to fear and those are the things he's most scared of. So I did buy it that she's like, oh, what's this kind mm. of thing? But then they turn on Rose. But the, I, I mean, eventually they turn on Dan, but I thought they might eat him first because he's, they're his thing. He's their thing. Like they're like, oh, hello. And then they eat <clears> her. Mm. Why they're eating her at all, I don't get. They're starving. She's full of steam. Yeah, but they're the same thing, kind of. They, she lives off steam. They live off steam. So steam a... is shine, right? Yes. Just called two different things in the is same it? film. Is it? 
Yeah, they right. only eat steamy kids. Mm. <laughs> okay, yeah, so it's a different word for the same so thing. So to me... Oh, it all makes like, more sense now. Like you said, <laughs> Balls. I think it was just like child vapour. <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot you were hammered. <laughs> um, so then... Ewan McGregor gets to do his Jack Nicholson impression because the overlooked ghosts possess him and he does a Jack and he's stalking the corridors. Which King really liked. He was like, this is the ending that I was robbed of in my in Kubrick's version of The Shining yeah. where we, Ewan McGregor basically is doing what Jack did in, in the book where he's battling against this possession of the hotel. He doesn't want to kill his son, but the hotel's got him. And, yeah. you know, so Mike Flanagan's sort of gone, there you go. It's yeah. the ending you always wanted. That's the thing, because he goes to the boiler room and he makes a he rests control back, which happens in the book where he finally has this moment of lucidity where he's like, "I'm not going to kill my child," mm. and that's what happens to Dan when he's and he blows the place up basically. Yeah, but is it me or did it need to explode? Because I was waiting for an explosion. That boiler looks like it's about to explode, and it never does. It just it's catches rattled, fire. It? Yeah. yeah, I was just like. I felt a bit robbed. Yeah. I wanted the overlook to be blown to splinters. Like that would have been to me. You've built up to an explosion at this point, and it's just sort of like, yeah, it's a bit fire. I agree with you. Um, and then that's kind of it. We with Abra in her room, where her Uncle Dan is in her bedroom, and the, you know, just sort of tying up loose ends. And I think then the film is saying, "Shine on, Abra. <laughs> Shine on. Shine on." Um, she leaves her room, and her mum's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Nothing." And then she's like, no, let me tell you everything. And so I think the film is saying this cycle of shame and trying to deaden what you are capable of has ended now because Abra, throughout the film, she said to Dan, they almost think I'm normal which of her parents, which is not true. But I get that she would want to hide what she can do because her parents, it upsets them. And now she's saying, look, mum, this is who I am. And also handily, I can let you know that dad's all right because everybody crosses and it's everything's brilliant. She sees all the false ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> So that's. Um... I like. I think it's quite sweet that she then isn't the last image her heading into the bathroom with the old the, lady. The old lady, yeah, to put I her think, in a box. I think. Oh, is that to put her in a box? I think. What so. did you think she was? Well, to have a bath with her? <laughs> no, I just thought she was going to be nice to her. I really didn't understand this film. <laughs> <laughs> no. She's going to do the box trick. Yeah, she's yeah. putting her in a box. Obviously, <laughs> she's going to make friends with the ghost who eats children. <laughs> It's different to the ending in the book, which I did look up. Did you have a look into this? Uh, Abra's, Abra's, I think Abra's grandmother has cancer and they get the steam out of her and then kill off the true knot by giving them cancerous steam. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. I don't particularly <laughs> like. Um, and then they push Rose off an observation platform and she breaks her neck and dies. Uh, but Dan doesn't die in the book version. Right. See, that's, that's nothing to do with her... Like being yeah. like this, a vampire. This, yeah, the sort of I have mm. a long life, or I've got this power, or anything. You could just push anyone off a tower. Yeah, and before it's it's set in a campsite where the overlook used to be in the book, because obviously there's no overlook right. in in the book. And and um, as he's leaving the campsite, Dan sees Jack as well and waves goodbye to him. Because oh, they nice. found peace, and then and then you it cuts to a few years later, and he in a prologue he visits Abra and just says to her, um, "Shine on, Abra." <laughs> he basically on. says, "Stay sober." Don't, don't get pissed. Okay. Because I think that's what the message of the book was from beginning to end, really, was, you know, your recovery's tough, but important, sobriety's important, and you might fall into my, you know, my mm. mistakes if, if you start drinking like I did. Mm. On that note, um, we're out. We're done. Any more? <sighs> nope. No. Okay. Um, what, so what was your best scene then, Alex? 
uh, there's a bit where they murder a child and then they don't even do anything with the body. They just leave it there. Unreal. Like, it's amazing. Unbelievable. Bold filmmaking from Mr. Mike Flanagan. I loved it. Uh, no, it's the shootout or the return to the Overlook Hotel. Okay. Probably the return to the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. I got goosebumps when I saw it. Uh, I like it when Abra turns the table on Rose in her bedroom, ending in the dig loving. I found it very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, the gold room, the the heart to heart with his dad. It, oh, even, wow. I mean, yeah, I know you don't like the uh, Henry Thomas thing, but if you think about what's being said, I think that's the best thing. And I love the gold room so much. Like every time I watch The Shining, I'm singing that song for weeks and weeks and weeks. I couldn't take my eyes off his wig. I just kept going. It's not even like like the hairline's wrong. I'm like it just. It's not even. It could have been better. It doesn't <laughs> convince me. There are little things that are wrong with like even the wig that don't. You know, it's just not Jack's hair. Okay. And I think as well, I have a real weakness for the gold room. Like every time I go to a hotel, I immediately go to the bar and it's like, I just want it to be that. I want to be in there so much. There is a hotel in Yosemite Park, the Awani, I think it's pronounced, hotel, which is where the interiors of the Overlook were based. Let's go there. Yosemite, here we come. <laughs> uh, what's your most valuable whatever, Chris? Uh, I want to start with a couple of Stephen King quotes. In uh, in the original Doctor Sleep, in the foreword, he said, if you've seen the movie but not read the novel, you should note that Doctor Sleep follows the latter, which is, in my opinion, and this is in capitals, the true history of the Torrance family. And then... Uh, I, I just... There's a little bit of arrogance in that, which is like mm. people are walking around going, but what is the true history yeah. of the Torrance family? No I, I, I need to know. It's like people go, ah, oh, that was a good book. They're not yeah, going... That was they're a not, good film. They're not walking around going, oh, I'm so confused about the and, Torrance family history. And then of the film, of the film, he said... Every Everything that I ever disliked about the Kubrick version of The Shining is redeemed here for me. It didn't need redemption. I just like the fact that Stephen King can't let this <laughs> fucking lie. There are how many worst versions of Stephen King movies are there? Good point. Yeah. Uh, of books. I mean, there's almost all of them are worse than The Shining. <laughs> and yet this is the only one he attacks. And it's because people like it. Yeah. Welcome Probably to more King versus King. Oh, <laughs> the title. A month celebrating the master of horror. <laughs> right, my MVW is Kylie Curran. Very good. I think she's the best thing in this film. What about you? The Overlook Hotel. I thought the recreation of it was spectacular. Uh, it's Rebecca Ferguson for me. She just steals it from Carly Current, principally for the line, I'm not the last, I'm just the prettiest, <laughs> which I really like. Because also, if you think about it, she spends a good portion of this film inhaling CGI smoke and not looking that mm. daft doing it, um, or pretend flying into someone's mind wearing a slouchy cardigan and athleisure wear. Thank you, 2019. <laughs> like, Jesus. Mm. Um, That's what Nettie said. She was like, there's some really interesting style choices in this movie. Just athleisure pants, top mm. to bottom. I think she'd have a better wardrobe. I thought she was really good. I think she's there's like a little bit of Pennywise about her. Yeah. In the ter- in the sense that very especially when she meets the first kid, uh, Violet, uh, by the yeah, lake. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it reminded me a lot of uh, when Pennywise yeah. meets Georgie for the first time and definitely. sort of luring them in, except it's flowers, not a balloon. Yeah. And that's Pennywise, who is played by Tim Curry in the 1990 <laughs> TV movie. Thanks, that completes what? this week's obligatory <laughs> Tim Curry reference. I mean, yeah, villains are always fun. She's a brilliant villain. Um, you one change, Alex. Uh, just the Jack Nicholson scene. Okay. The Jack Nicholson, sorry, the Jack Torrance scene uh, with uh, Henry Thomas, who I think is brilliant. I just think it was a bad call. I just, just I can't get on board with it. Uh, so, yeah. And as I said at the start, I'm still a little bit like, has he really, uh, like, is there anything Danny can do to ever make up for just walking out on an unconscious woman who has vomit coming out of her mouth and, like, saving Abra? Yes. walk out on a dead boy. <laughs> it's just, it's, uh, yeah, 
it was I'm mean, I'm sort of shocked that that was the debt he had to pay, and it sort of he what by the end he's paid it. It's mm, like I true. don't know that you've ever really paid that debt. Yes. What about you? I've got something very general. So to kick off something more specific, uh, I like Alex's uh, change about the mother making a big bigger deal of her son talking for the first time. Mm. Um, it's a good shout. I hadn't even clocked that. But um, my my main change is I wish this film didn't exist. Oh. Um, or if it has to, I wish I hadn't watched it. So this is annoying because you maybe watch it again. I watched it once, didn't remember it. But I've got a reason. I like The Shining um, as it is. And this gives me information and context that changes my appreciation of it. And I had the same issue with Prometheus and Alien and The Phantom Menace and Star Wars, where it's it's putting stuff in my brain that won't, won't leave my brain now. And when I watch The Shining again, I'm going to be thinking about ghosts in boxes and just stuff that should have been open to interpretation and should still be ambiguous or I should be able to decide what that is but I can't anymore because I'm going to have a lot of visuals and information in this film that I don't like and sometimes you just leave a good thing alone. Okay, wow. Harsh <laughs> words from Chris Tilly. Um, my change is very predictably at the end in Abra's bedroom when Uncle Dan is there so is baseball boy and he gives her a little wave and he says I'm okay now thank you so much. And oh, then that makes it right. there you go. You really hung up on this baseball boy. Yeah, I Warren. am. Is it Warren? <laughs> Brad. Brad. What? Do you not remember his name? The, he's just called Baseball Boy, isn't he? No, he's got a oh, name. No, he's got a name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that kind of undermines everything. He's called Brad. I thought he was just called Cute Boy. <laughs> no, he has a name, Victoria. Yeah, all right. His uh, name <laughs> is Brad remember Baseball. Remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> his name, say it with me, is Brad Baseball. Brad Baseball. Okay, and we are done. It's time then. The Shining versus Doctor Sleep. For the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! <laughs> you should probably come to me first based on the change I just suggested. <laughs> you go first, sir. <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting. Flanagan said that if The Shining's about addiction, Doc Sleep's about recovery. Clearly, mm. I'm more interested in addiction um, <laughs> because I'm picking The Shining. As I said, it's a film I didn't love when I watched it. Um, but I now feel like my favourite horror films, like... Um, don't Look Now and The Wicker Man and recently I thought The Witch had this. Uh, I think they've got The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think there's evil in them mm. and I feel like there's evil in The Shining yeah. when I watch it and that's... Oh, that's nice. I agree. That's terrifying. As you said, it's hypnotised me as well when I watch it, mm. which I can't think of many films that I feel like is hypnotising me as I'm watching it. Mm. It's a masterpiece. It's Shining. Uh, I'll jump in here then if that's all right. So I, it goes back to what Chris said earlier about you sort of know a lot about these characters, but yet not enough about the characters of the true not. It's sort of like you're introduced to all these characters, but we never get to know them, but they still are on screen a lot. I honestly think Doctor Sleep uh, would be a fantastic miniseries. I think if Doctor Sleep was seven hours long, like seven episodes and you got to know the True Knot. We got to see maybe some history of what the True Knot had done, really establish who they are and what they'd seen in this lifelong, this long life and all the things they've done. And I think you do when they died and they lost all that and like the possibility of going on to the future, you'd feel more. I just really feel like it would have benefited from more time um, because there's so much in it and it flits between stories too rapidly like you know there are points when it go, jumps back to you and McGregor and you're like oh shit fuck I forgot his story's going on as well so it would work as a TV series and as proved by Midnight Mass Haunting of Hill House Mike Flanagan can do brilliant brilliant long TV series that's what it should be The Shining is better yeah okay 
Good answer. Yeah, okay. I'll try and be quick. Um, I think there is a lot to like about Doctor Sleep because you're seeing the things that you love again in a way that respects your feelings as a fan but also respects the world that Stanley Kubrick created. Um, and when we think about when we watch Ready Player One, that is not a respectful way of treating that hotel. Don't get me started um, <laughs> again. But And also actually in Doctor Sleep, the scene that I love with Dan and Jack, you know, nearly having a drink, that connects in a way that the rampant lunacy of Jack Nicholson doesn't connect, although that is scary in a different way. But it doesn't connect with you as a human because you're just like, it's easy to go, I would never do that. Um, but obviously The Shining, the, when you talk about being evil, like, it's in your brain in a way that Dr. Sleep just can't ever be. Um, you want to stay at that hotel, or I do, um, even though you're terrified by it. Um, and you can get obsessed with this film the way that you think Kubrick got obsessed with it. This whole mystique, this potency around the film, it adds to the whole package. It's like a bewitching film about a bewitching hotel. And it, I think it will be with you for your whole life. I think you will think about The Shining quite a lot until you die. And you'll so, watch it. I think you'll watch it every yeah. few years. So it obviously is The Shining. Shock. Horror. <laughs> no, one, no one saw that coming. I mean, I don't know what you could put up against The Shining, to be perfectly honest, that would have made that a close matchup. No. I really don't. Certainly not out of other Stephen King adaptations. Although I did, we were talk, I did send you a message going, I think, uh, I can't remember if someone put this on Twitter. Apologies if you put this on Twitter, but I thought there will be blood, actually. Yeah. It took me a while to respond. I didn't really understand. Or oh, 2001. Maybe. Again, I don't understand that either. No, I don't get that. Just people but there will the be blood about a guy like, going mad and with a son. Uh, like, yeah. Can we not talk about films we should have done it with? <laughs> That's a bad way to end this. <laughs> All right, The Shining is our Yay! winner this week. Great episode. So that's great that Stephen King won the first episode of yeah. King vs. King. Well done him. Yeah. He is the king. Yeah. Well, uh, he's the king of week one anyway. Yeah, with, uh, with a movie he loves as well. <laughs> All right then. So uh, that means that we're looking ahead to next week now, our second week of King versus King as we count down to Halloween here on Clash Pod. Chris's choice is Chris. Uh, the clue was duvet days and the films we're doing. Uh, Vicky, you have the movie Misery and Alex, you have the movie Gerald's Game. Ugh, my boy Mike Flanagan again. I'm on a real Flanagan trip at the moment. Gerald's Game's on Netflix, obviously. It's a Netflix movie. Hmm? Who knows where misery is? Guess in Amazon. How's that your job? Oh, you had The Shining this week. I'll let you off. Fair enough. Okay. So misery is somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And Gerald's Game is on Netflix. Uh, So that is us done. Uh, That is your homework for the weekend. Uh, Please enjoy Gerald's Game and misery. Yeah, misery is available to buy from Amazon. Okay. $5.99. Really? We have to buy it? We talked about that a while ago. I said, did we still do it? And you said, yeah, it's not that much. I thought it was less than five. Money bags. All right, fine, (laughs) fine. Uh, If you haven't already, please do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Back on Monday, talking misery. Have a great weekend. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.